What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com, and I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we posted our interview with the team that cut Molly's Game, and I told you that with that, we actually had an interview with one of the actors. So Bruno Verdoni, who played Pat in the film, I'm actually working on one of his films right now. Well, actually, we just wrapped up, and we're about to go into color. So the two of us sat down, and we basically go through how he approaches roles and what it was like to work on Molly's game. Now, before we get into this interview, there is one thing I want to do. I want to thank Carly McKeating for cutting this episode for me. She's been under the weather, so hopefully you'll be feeling better. With all that said, here's my interview with Bruno Verdoni about acting in Molly's game. You played an important role, uh, Pat, in Molly's game. I guess let's start with getting the job because Every time I talk to you, you're working your butt off to get your next gig. Mm-hmm. So what is your auditioning process? Like, how do you prepare for your auditions? Usually I'm given 24 to 48 hours to read for uh, a project. And often enough, I'm given the script. And uh, for, for Molly's Game, I wasn't given a script. My scenes were scripted, but that's all I was given. Just like Woody Allen, that's all you get. So I knew it was all based on a book, so I read the book. But the process was, for me, it's always the same. It's reading over and over again until you get a sense of, okay, this there's always it's always a combination between what do you think they'll want to see and what is it that you want to bring to it yeah. and find a compromise. And sometimes you cannot find a compromise. You go, I know this is what they, they're going to want to see. If I go my route, yeah. I'm not going to land it. So it's usually trying to find the perfect compromise. Yeah. And uh, so I just read and make choices and you know define what the environment is and, and who I'm talking to and why and when and... And for that particular audition, I knew that uh, Aaron was going to be there. Usually the process is you have an audition, especially with feature films, and then you get brought back once again in front of the producer and the director and all that. As an editor, I'm always, like, I took one acting course just to see what it was like so I could understand what an actor goes through. So as an editor, I'm always trying to figure out, like, what's the emotional moment of the scene and what's happening. As an actor, do you read over the lines, like you were saying, over and over and over again? until they become almost like you can say them without even thinking about them and then allow the emotions to take over and of the scene of what the key is to the scene or is it you're thinking about the emotions as you're doing them it is a good question because yes ultimately you want to get to the point where you don't even think about the lines Mm -hmm. they they just come out Mm -hmm. your body has rehearsed them so much it just comes out the problem is when you read over and over again you got to make sure you read it in your mind, you can't be speaking the lines, otherwise you fall into some, you know, the musicality of certain lines which you like, and that could be quite an obstacle. Which is interesting, because we talked about the musicality with the editors of Molly's Game. Aaron Sorkin has a musicality in his writing that they try to enhance in the cutting process. Yeah, he's got a very specific rhythm, and that's pretty obvious from watching all the shows that he's mm-hmm. done, and the, the writing that he's done. Um, for Molly's Game, in my case, that wasn't that many lines, which was odd because I was hoping I was going to get this big chunk. Of, but it was more like introspective. The pace was much slower and uh, not that many lines. So it was more about two characters meeting and what's going on in between the lines. And you hope that the editor and the judge is going to keep whatever you bring to it in between yeah. the lines. But yeah, you to go back to your question, it's important to know what's going on so much, know the lines. But... Focusing on the emotions is often enough, it, it can be quite a rabbit hole 
in the sense that then you start emoting. You have to be aware what the emotions are, but you can't focus on them. You really have to focus on what am I doing to the other person? What am I trying to provoke? You know, what am I trying to change? So as soon as you do that, then the emotions, if you understand their relationship, you understand the environment, then the emotions will probably happen by themselves and quite authentically as opposed to playing an emotion and then you're stuck there. There's nowhere to go. So you're, yeah, I guess playing off the other person is that in editing, it's like the reaction's more important than yeah. the comment. It's funny, I, I read an article maybe a year ago about Jessica Chastain's mm -hmm. process where she was saying that she never really knows how she's gonna play the character until she's right in front of the, the actors. Yeah. So she knows her lines enough that she can, you know, do it at many different ways, but she doesn't know how, what's gonna happen really until she, and I, I kind of like that. You do the preparation and then you're just ready to jump, depending on how things are thrown at you. So, like I said, I took one acting class and I realized I was really, really bad at it. And one of the issues was, I can't even remember what the guy would always say to me, the instructor, but he would always be like, you're too much in your head or you're thinking too much about it. So is there a process for getting out of the realization that you are essentially pretending in front of, you know, a whole crew of people? Like, do you have a process to get out of your head? You know, I don't believe that you actually forget that there's people mm -hmm. watching, that there's a camera. You have to be aware of the camera because you have to make sure that, you know, you live properly. So as you yeah. move, you got to know that. Though I met this dude way back. He didn't know I was an actor and he wanted to impress me, telling me that, you know, he was an actor. And he says, when I'm an actor, I'm so much in the part that I can't even recognize my girlfriend when she yeah. talks to me. I knew this guy was full of, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. As you're doing it, there are a few seconds where you might forget where you are, mm -hmm. you know, and you're in the character, but it doesn't go on for hours because you end up in some hospital. <laughs> so the idea is, for example, if you are on stage or in front of a camera and, you know, you get in your head too much because you're not sure what you're going to do, you might forget the lines, mm -hmm. you know, there's a passage going to be a little tricky. The idea is always to focus on the other person. Mm -hmm. If you're in your own head, it means that you're focused on yourself. Getting out of your head means putting the focus somewhere else, mm -hmm. not on you. So not always easy, but that's what you need to do. You know, I'm trying to scare this woman to death. Mm -hmm. If that's what you're trying to do, then do it. Mm -hmm. You're in your head and then you're not trying to scare her. Intimidate, that's often part of the roles I play. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I try to find different colors around intimidating, which is why I carry a dictionary or a thesaurus because every synonym of intimidating might be different. You know, you have to play those verbs. And that goes back to what uh, Mamet teaches. So you went, you met with Aaron and you did your audition. So what was the process of working with him? Like, how did he work with you in terms of the dialogue and the script? And what was he expecting from your character? I think that he was expecting someone, you know, kind of a package. Mm -hmm. This is Pat. What he looks like, how he talks, what he exudes. So my first and only audition, he was there with the producer and mm -hmm. I went in there and I did my thing, meaning that, you know, I suggest something. Mm -hmm. And then right away he was very, um, I thought he was very relaxed and generous. And uh, he went, okay, now how about you? And then he started thinking and then he went, um, Okay, no, no, just do your thing. Do it again. Do it again. Do your thing. So I did it again. And then the second time around, he went, um, like he wanted to suggest something, but then I don't know, realized that whatever I was doing was working. So we kept it at that. 
and you know I could tell that he liked what I did. Mind you, it wasn't very challenging, but it was still fun to do. And then on set, it was pretty much, I guess he was expecting for me to just, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. I knew there wasn't a script. I looked at the size, the, the, nothing had changed. It was just a matter of doing it with Jessica. And on set, you know, when he was around, he was always very generous and very much trusting, which is, you know, one of the main things you want from a director, somebody who you can tell trust that you will deliver. You were saying that you improvised that discussion outside of the car and he you know he liked it and he went with it so how much was this is from the script you have to follow it and how much is you know this character go with it the thing is because my scenes were not this kind of rapid fire dialogue that we're used to from Aaron Sorkin I had the scene which was very you know moody and then he wanted something else from outside the vehicle to set up what was going to happen to Molly and then the camera was a fair distance, like in Sandra Park. We were right in front of the hotel. And when he heard what I did, he decided to come in closer and to record. But we talked about that. And then he said, okay, I want you to improv a few things. I want you to set up that whatever's going on. And he was about to explain it to me. And I went, I read the book. I know exactly what Pat says and you know what the situation is. He went, okay, hands off, do whatever you need to do. And I knew that if he didn't like it, he would come back and say, you know, that's not what I want. But I'd done my research and I did it. So he came in closer. We got it mic'd. And um, I think maybe he knew at that point that there was going to be a voiceover. I don't know. But he trusted the fact that, you know, I mean, the scene was exactly what I read from the book. So. And so you read the book beforehand. And are there ever any situations where you're like, I don't want the source material. I don't want to know the background where you want to sort of be removed so it's surprising or shocking because in this situation you're sort of a catalyst to cause a problem or mm -hmm. to cause something but if as an actor is there a moment where you're like I don't want to know what's going to happen to me because I need that surprise? I've never had that issue because the actor's job is to be fresh you know if you're on stage and you've done the show you know 50 times yeah. you know how it's going to end you still have to be surprised when you you know, catch your wife with some other guy mm -hmm. on stage. So for me, it's never been an issue that I, I don't want to know what's going to happen. So for me, it's preferable to see how, and, and that for me was, you know, a, a very specific and very fun information about Pat. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he he's not just a driver and a good person who lends an ear and all that. He's also someone who wants to move up, maybe make a little money. And so he connects Molly with, Friends that may not be the most trustworthy friends. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Because <laughs> I, I remember watching and just be like, damn it, Bruno. <laughs> it's funny because you know what? That part, there was a part of the book that I hadn't read because I read it quickly. And that part was when something happens in the hotel room. And, and then when I went into the makeup trailer, the first thing that Jessica mm -hmm. said, she says, oh, here, here comes my Judas or something yeah. like that. And I didn't know exactly what happened, so I went back to the book and I'm like, all right, okay, now I get it. Now, you've started directing. What have you learned from the directing process, whether it's on set or in post-production, that has impacted your acting or changed your perspective of acting? To be clear, to be really clear on what you mean, where you're going with this, and what impact you want on the people watching it. How do you, do you want them to sort of react to the material, to the images and the sounds, whatever it is? And I think it comes a lot from preparation, and it's not always easy. 
and I'm trying to apply, you know, I'm pretty, I wouldn't say rigid, but I have a lot of discipline when it comes to acting because I've done it for a while. So I know that this is what I need to do to get the results that I want. And it, it's applying that to directing. What directing taught me too, it was like to surround myself well, to have good people that know their craft. I have been lucky in certain ways, like you, meeting yeah. you. And I've been not so lucky in meeting other people where, you know, it really throws you and throws a whole ranch and the whole thing. And then when you're, you're not experienced, you go, okay, how do I deal with that? Because I'm missing this, I'm missing that. So for me, that was the main lesson. Surround yourself well and also do your homework, be as prepared as you can. And then once that is done, it's like acting, you can enjoy the process. Now, is there a message you would have for editors from an actor's perspective? Because a lot of times editors are going to be cutting stuff out or removing stuff. So if you could say something to the editors, what would you say? I, I don't know because I trust the editors. I, I believe that if they're cutting part of my work, I usually don't take it personally. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. You're servicing the story. So if they cut it out, then, you know, it means that it works better this way. And, and, and uh, you know, sometimes I'm not happy about what I see. I see that they picked the the worst take you know, that I've done, and for some reason that's what they think works. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's more that I've you know, learned that from, the, from being a director, is respecting other people's creative process. Especially if they, they're good at what they do. You go, okay, hands up, that's your territory, you do it well, then I trust you. Now I have one last question that I ask everyone. Well, what's your favorite guilty pleasure film to watch? Rocky. Rocky? The first one. For me, it's, it, it has a lot to do with the fact that it was his first time directing and writing. The music gets to me like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. My dad's yeah. Italian. My dad used to box. So, you know, the fact that I'm an actor, for me, it's all encompassing of what I was to become. I'm a, a child of the 70s, and, and my favorite movies are also, you know, movies from the 70s. I studied 70s filmmaking, and, and I think that at least people back then were doing movies for the right reasons. Yeah. And now they recuperate them very fast so they can make a lot of money off of them. And I think that's what happened to Rocky and to so many other movies. And I think that's kind of sad. We all know it's a business, but yeah. when it's just that. Mind you, if you yeah. ask me to be in that movie, oh, yeah. like, there's a big difference between yeah. working on the movie and watching it. Yeah, if you asked me to cut it, I'd be there in a second. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for letting me interview. Thanks for, for having me, it was fun. Yeah. So that was my interview with Bruno. I'd like to thank Bruno Verdoni for allowing me to interview him and, of course, for hiring me to cut his film. I'd also like to thank Carly McKeating for cutting this episode. If you want to get in touch with us, you can always get us on Twitter at AOTG Network, on Facebook, facebook.com slash AOTG Network, or, of course, via email, info at AOTG.com. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening. <laughs>